Amen, 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 amen. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. It's so easy to bless the Lord this morning. It's so easy. If you wanted to bless him, you had an opportunity this morning. It's just easy to just release that praise unto him. When we get to that part, and usually the choir sings that, magnify him. I'm going to tell you what, that breaks me down every time. It just is. You just hit a point. Some an old preacher said, some, some folks like some songs, but the Lord likes some songs. <laughs> and you get, it just like, it just touches you, it touches him. And I just enjoyed uh, that worship this morning. My soul rejoiced in the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Good. Thank you so much. Pastor Rodney, always just for, oh, how many years now? 20, 25 years and, and uh, leading us in praise and worship. And every Sunday is just a wonderful time. We thank our, our singers and musicians and helpers and <clears throat> just for everything that they do to lead us. And it makes it easy to praise the Lord and <clears throat> when everybody's together and, and worshiping him. Hallelujah to his name. I want to go back to uh, the book of John, if you'll go there with me again. We'll be reading out of the first chapter, one of your favorite chapters uh, in the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. A little something in my throat there. And um, so I want to go to um, down to the 26th verse again. I think we read this last week and. And I'm not going to preach the same exact sermon, but it's going to be a lot like it. So, <laughs> so you know, we'll, we'll just store up those things. You know, repetition, a good teacher, right? But we've got, I kind of want to go just a little bit different direction this morning, but I, I do want to look at the same kind of setting. And um, And I said to him in verse um, um, 22, I think it was, and who are you? Who are you? Who do you say? What do you say about yourself? And then <clears throat> down in verse 26, and John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but the one stands, but one stands in your midst who you do not know. And he it is that comes after me who has been before me and uh, of whom I'm not worthy that I should untie the latchet of his sandals. Go over uh, in the same chapter in just a few verses. I want to go to the 31st verse. We read this last week. I did not know him, but that he be revealed to Israel. Listen to this. For this reason, I came baptizing in water. John didn't come baptizing in water to save people. Because there's no salvation in water. 
but that he be revealed. But that he be revealed. That's the reason I came baptized in the water. Verse 35. <clears throat> Again on tomorrow, John. And two of his, of, uh, from his disciples stood, and looking at Jesus walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, I think uh, one of the other, other gospels says, Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Actually, the word there is that he bears the sin of the world and take away the sin of the world because I'm not going to connect that with him being God pouring out his wrath on him. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. He bears the sin of the world to the cross. Behold the Lamb of God. And uh, and then uh, let's just read down. And the two disciples heard him speaking and followed Jesus. But seeing them following, Jesus uh, turning, Jesus said to them, What do you seek? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is translated as called teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they went and saw where he stayed and abode with him that day, and it was about the 10th hour. And then verse 40, um, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard this from John and had followed him. This one first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which being translated is the Christ. Amen. Lord, we will try to do justice of serving your word this morning. I pray that you would just anoint my mind, my heart, to relay what you've already placed there. Lord, to relay the revelation in your word, your scripture. And that we all, with open face, Lord, take the veil back just a little bit more this morning. That we all, with open faces, can see the glory of the Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you would just touch and minister and stir our hearts within us. Stir our hearts. Lord, not church stuff, but stir our hearts, Lord, towards you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. It's amen. It's yea and amen to them that believe. I've come to believe that no man can come and know who Yeshua is outside of that revelation. For some time we've been wearied about someone getting up, preaching a sermon. At the end of that sermon, they may have preached who knows what. But at the end of that sermon, say, how many of you want to receive Jesus? Raise your hand and repeat after me. I don't believe it's a, it's a salvation prayer. Sorry. I mean... If you get mad at me, it won't be the first time. There's no salvation in a prayer. There's salvation in believing on Jesus Christ. Sure, we pray, yeah. We admit our faults, admit our failures, and 
ask the Lord forgive us. And that's that, that may be part of it. But without without knowing who He is, it is not possible to be saved. That's why it says there is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. There is only one salvation, and that doesn't come by a prayer. I know there's a lot of people that, and, and I've experienced this. I don't know. I'm going to let God sort it out. I'm not going to sort it out. I'm going to let him sort it out. But there's a lot of people with their dying breath, and, and I'm, I'm witness of, of some of this, that at the last day of their life and their dying breath, God help me. You know, and, and then we look back at, at, at the thief on the cross, uh, the criminal on the cross, and we you know, kind of compare that. You know, I don't know. I don't know where all that is, but I do know that that man looked over and called him Lord. He, he had an understanding of who he was. It, it wasn't just a passing thing, a last breath. Oh, help me, somebody, anybody help me. No, he looks over and sees and acknowledges him as Lord. See, there's no salvation without acknowledging him as Lord. And in order to acknowledge Him as Lord, I believe there has to be a revelation. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to understand all things now and all mysteries and all knowledge about Him. But there is going to be an initial understanding of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Not just a man, a prophet, you know, uh, even as we're, we've been saying a rabbi, and I love it. You know, I never knew Him as a rabbi until I came here. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to admit that. It's glory to glory to glory. Those of you that think because you came to the altar, you got everything, God bless you. I'm still learning. I'm still receiving. I'm still understanding. I, I knew him. I knew he's rabbi. But I never understood the relationship of this rabbi and his disciples until we came here. Interesting. I've been serving the Lord a long time. And so it just goes to show you that the Lord leads us into more fullness all the time. And, and so when I call him rabbi, it means something to me now. It means something more than it did a year ago. I think it, it, it's his closeness. But this, it's revelation of Jesus Christ. See, this is the quest. The quest is to know him. And so it, it just comes down to that, Christian friend. It comes down to knowing Him. They that do hunger, that are in the state of hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Oh, wait a minute. Righteousness. Where does righteousness come from? Why? It, it's believing the Word of God, the revelation of Himself. Abraham only knew what he heard. But because he believed what he heard, it was counted to him for righteousness. That's all he knew. We know this Christ. We know Him. And a hunger and thirst after Him will find the righteousness of the righteous one in our life. Can you say amen? So Matthew 11, Jesus said this. Now, I've read this before. Um, and it, it means something if you read it according to the Greek text here, a little bit different than King James. So, Jesus said, in speaking as the Son of God, Son of Man, all things were handed over to me, Matthew eleven twenty seven. all things were handed over to me 
under the authority of the Father of me. Now, that's just an expansion of, of the Greek language there. And no one knows the Son It says, except, but, some translations, except, but the Father. The Greek does not say that. The Greek says this, and no one knows the Son if not the Father. You don't get to know Him differently than the Father. And then, on the other hand, and no one knows, nor the Father does anyone know, if not the Son. If you have no revelation of who He is, and, and I really do believe that Jesus is talking to Jewish people who only worship Yahweh God, that's all they know, they're not taking anyone else, and, and thank God they're not. They just don't understand who's speaking to them. You think you know God. You think you know the Father. But here, I mean, in essence, and when you look at the study of Christ, He is constantly saying, I am. So you cannot know the Father if you don't know the Son. Now, let's backtrack just a little, all right? Let's go into the Old Testament. Before Jesus was, there was a time when the Son was not. Come on, say amen. That's just plain and simple doctrine in the Bible. And But when he is born in Bethlehem, God putting on flesh and dwelling among us, no longer is there a question of who God is out in the air somewhere, out in heaven somewhere. Now we know God has revealed himself in the flesh. And so it takes that question away. So Jesus talking to them now. Your, the prophets, the Old Testament, they served what they thought was God. They served what they thought was Father. But, but if you go back and reread it, you'll find out it's about me. So now speaking to them, and I really like this because no one's going to know Father. No one is going to know Son. But then he says this, And if to whom the Son chooses to reveal. The Lord doesn't waste His revelation just on anything. I'm sorry, He doesn't throw pearls before swine. Someone doesn't want him. Someone isn't interested in him. Someone cares less about him. He doesn't throw his revelation that way. But if anyone's hungry, oh, if anyone's thirsty, let him come and drink freely. See, the Lord is always willing to reveal himself to the hungry. He's he just not revealing himself to the world who doesn't care about him. He's trying to reveal himself to the Jews. But the Jews don't accept him. He comes to his own. His own receive him not. They don't accept him. He's the cornerstone and the builders reject him. 
But he's still at this point, he is he's trying to make them to understand that whom the Son chooses to reveal. I'm going to tell you something this morning. The Lord has chose to reveal himself to his church. Okay. It is a father's good pleasures to give to you the kingdom. What do you think the kingdom is? Oh, the kingdom is, you know, we're all going to get together and go down and, and smash the abortion clinics and, and wipe out the bars. And no, no, you've got a wrong understanding of the kingdom. The kingdom is about him. It's the Father's good pleasure to constantly reveal himself to you to give you the kingdom of who he is. And so here's, here's the Lord. And to whom the, the Son chooses to reveal. And then the next sentence just blows you away because you're going to see the Son. You don't know the Son if not the Father. You don't know the Father if not the Son. Now here, he's going he's gonna to blow it away because... He says, come unto me. Everybody say me. He doesn't say come unto us. He doesn't say come unto him. He says what? Come unto me and I. Everybody say I. So he really whittled this down for him. I will give you rest. And you will find rest for your souls. I come unto me come towards proston that 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 same that same idea of everything belonging to God and he said this I've been given everything everything belonging to God is him and now come if you want to know anything father if you want to know anything son you've got to come to me and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn what? Learn about me, Jesus says. So I'm not going to teach you about a father that you don't know. I'm going to teach you about a father that you do know. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. Can you say amen? That, that, that's, that's our message. That's our message. So he appears to be addressing those who want to try to get to God outside of the Son, outside of Yeshua. If they can end up somehow finding God, and this is why we've, we've preached this a lot over the last few years, people trying to find an alternate route. What, what do they call it? An unmitigated? What? Unmediated, unmediated. People are using that term. Finding an unmediated way to God. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the mediator. So if you're finding an unmediated way, then you're going outside of him somewhere else. And if you're going somewhere else to find God, you're not going to find God. You might find religion. You might find stuff. You might find church stuff. But you're not finding him. Everything he does is mediated. He is the mediation and the mediator of God and man. Because he became man, and yet he was God. And so let's put it this way. The Father cannot be known. Holy Spirit cannot be known. 
kingdom of God cannot be known. Pentecostalism cannot be known. Apostolic doctrine cannot be known. Holiness cannot be known. Church structure and order cannot be known if not from the author and the finisher, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the ancient of days, the Alpha and Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, God manifested in the flesh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, I think, I, I think we just need to read this verse. We were so disappointed and worked up this week when we heard a man preach that their movement, their doctrine, their way, their thing was the way, the truth, and the life. So, so I just got to read it again. John, John 14, 6. You, know, you already know it. John 14, 6. Jesus said to Thomas, because Thomas is the one that asked him. Jesus said to Thomas, but the group is there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone comes any other way besides anyone come proston patera, trying to come to the Father, and you don't do that in me, then you're not getting there. And the church said, Amen. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. He is I am. Your movement is not the way. Your ideas are not the way. What you translate as being apostolic doctrine is not the way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No one. No one, nobody, no church, doesn't matter how big the movement is, it doesn't matter how strong the preacher is, no one is going to take his place. He will always be I am. He will always be the way, only the way, only the truth, only the life. Amen. I had to say that, you know. I just had to say that. It was in my spirit. And when he uses this, you know, coming proston patera, uh, patera being father, proston towards, or the things pertaining to father. It's this timeless statement. After the Lord becomes flesh and dwells among us, that becomes timeless. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to talk about modalism this morning, but sometimes we as believing in the strong oneness of who God is, we can fall into the trap of modalism and think that's what he was, but now he's something else. He's Holy Ghost now. And so that's kind of modalism gone astray. I don't want to confuse anybody here this morning. We'll talk about that at another time. 
he will always be the head of the church. Just, 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 just deal with that. <laughs> you can ascribe names. You can go different directions with different things. And, but he will always be preeminent over all things. Who? The one who became flesh and dwelt among us. Because that is the only image of God there is. He is the image of the invisible God. Can everybody say amen to that? Thank you, Lord. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So we've gone through a lot of this before, but that's okay. You must have been stirred. You were all clapping. You must be stirred in your spirit. See, Jerusalem can't come to Yeshua Jesus unless the apostles reveal him. It's not just going to happen. So all of a sudden, you know, the church is just going to spring out of Jerusalem and everything. No, 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 no. He must be revealed. I, I think Paul wrote it this way when he said, how can they hear without a preacher? And so now let's cancel in our mind the man of God syndrome real quick here. The man of God syndrome. Now, boy, they're not going to know anything unless I tell them. God can replace me with a button. So I'm not worried about that. But the thing is, unless there's a preacher who God has given some insight and wisdom to, to help reveal the word. We have it. The Ethiopian, right? He doesn't know. He will not know. If... if uh, uh, Philip had not gone down there, that man would have went home not knowing. But he was hungry, and those that are hungry, God is going to what? Reveal himself. So he uses, he has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Sorry. They got this Ashbury, what they're calling revival, going. Everybody heard about that? No preaching, uh, no revelation. Just chalk it up. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by singing. No, faith does not come by singing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? Hearing a word of Christ. That's old manuscript. King James says hearing the word of God, but old manuscript says hearing the word of Christ. That stimulates the faith in us. Hearing the word of Christ, a revelation of Christ. And so... Jerusalem will not come to the Lord outside of the apostles revealing. Judea cannot come to him any way short of a firsthand revelation. Samaria must hear the man, Philip, preach the word of God. He's not down there just doing signs and wonders. He is preaching the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the whole community is coming in. Can you say amen? The uttermost parts of the earth will only come to know the Savior by the witness of his disciples revealing him. So Jesus said, it'll start here, Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, but it's all going to be 
by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so for this reason, John comes baptized in water, dealing with the outer man. Let me touch baptism again. Baptism in water deals with the outer man, with the good conscience, with, you know, Peter talks about that. And it deals with this, maybe this flesh. But Jesus comes and he baptizes where? Not in the water tank. He baptizes inside here. Inside this tank. Inside this vessel. I have a spirit that lives in me that needs to be baptized. Baptized where? Baptized and buried in his spirit. And come to newness of life. Come to life. The spirit man is dead in you outside of Christ. You will walk in your trespasses and sin because you are dead. Dead men walking. But when he comes, he will, John says, he, I'm just down here putting people in water. But when he comes, there is going to be a great baptism inside the human life that won't have anything to do with water. It has to do with the Spirit of God baptizing us out of our deadness into life. And I ran out of that grave. He called my name, and I ran out of that grave because he baptized me not in water. I didn't run out of the grave in water. I ran out of the grave in spirit. Hallelujah. And that too was for free. I don't, I'm just having a good time handing out free things this morning. And so, John 1, excuse me, Acts 1, 8, is it? Is that where I want to go, 1, 8? Let's look there real quick. <clears throat> yeah, but you will receive, everybody say not power, ability. The word dunamis has been wrongly described, wrongly translated at times. Oh, I know. It means it's like dynamite. Dunamis, dynamite. No, no. Dunamis means ability. You couldn't do it. Now you can. But you will receive ability. When this baptism takes place in your life and... The Holy Spirit coming upon you, and you will be witnesses of me. I'm going to put a period right there. Because we've taken the baptism of the Spirit out into regions that it has not been ordained of God. And so if, if he's saying that the receiving of Holy Spirit in your life is for a purpose, is for a reason, is for a cause, then it's more than just Santa Claus giving you a gift. There's a reason behind the gift. What is the reason? So I can speak in tongues? No. So I can lay hands on people? No. And some of that might happen. But the reason, the purpose is not that. 
The purpose is that you become a revelator of the Lord Jesus Christ to people. Hello. No, I didn't really want that deal. I, I want to lay hands on people and see them healed. I want to lay, you know, I want to speak prophetically to people and all this kind of stuff. Well, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes the Lord does move in that way, but that, that is side effect. That in prophecy will, people understand that prophecy is, is not the will of man. Prophecy is that which God brings to witness of himself. Now, okay, I know that in the old times the prophets prophesied about the kingdom. They prophesied about them being captured. They prophesied about the, the, the Hittites and the Jebusites and everybody coming down and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar and all those things. Oh, I understand that. Prophecy is not about that now. The spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so now when men get up and they prophesy about Trump, they prophesy about all kind of, every kind of piece of foolishness that has nothing to do with Christ or the church. And I'm saying it's not from God. They might guess some things right. You know, some of them are pretty sharp. They guess a few things right now and then. You know, they prophesied about 20 things and one of them was right. The guy's a liar. Let's just leave it there. But that's not what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when God does prophecy, it's going to be concerning that and concerning the church and concerning the revelation of what God wants to do in the body of Christ. So listen, loud music, fast and loud music, bringing people to the point of pandemonium does not reveal Jesus. Sorry. Running, slamming into things, hitting walls, rolling on floors, busting up stuff does not reveal Jesus. It might reveal a movement of what's called Pentecost, but it does not reveal Jesus. Sorry. Anybody comes up and tries to start busting things up and, and knocking things over, I'm going to grab you nicely. It won't hurt you. I don't want to put you in a headlock, but you're going back to sit down. This does not reveal the Lord. We don't need that in the church. Now, let me say, there is a time of rejoicing. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. And how do we rejoice? Bust stuff up? No, that, that isn't how we rejoice. The, the Scripture's got some way for that. Lifting your hands, praising with a loud voice, tears rolling down your eyes, clap your hands before the Lord, jump before the Lord, leap before the Lord. But it never tells you to go bust stuff up. And so this does not reveal the Lord. Let me, uh, boy, I tell you uh, this right here, but I have to say it because I'm on this path, and this is part of one more step. So what I've got to say is a whole bunch of people standing down in the front of a church speaking in unknown tongues does not reveal the Lord Jesus. In fact, Paul says if you're going to speak in tongues, Knock it off. Quit, quit doing all the speaking until people don't even know what you're talking about. You've got a word of God. Don't speak it in a tongue we don't know. Let's hear it in a tongue we do know. 
Let's hear something that's going to lift the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what. None of those things bring the Lord. But you get a man who has some inspiration in his heart. He's been birthed in Revelation a little bit. And he gets the microphone and he begins to speak and begins to bring out the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what happens. Your spirit will leap with inside of you because he's talking about that Savior that you know, that rabbi that you know, and it's precious to you and it's holy to you. You may not jump up and tear up the building, but in your heart you are leaping for joy because of the revelation of Jesus Christ that's being shared with you. Everybody say amen to that. Because I know that's what I do. I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes tears just start rolling down my face because I'm overwhelmed at the revelation of my Lord. Because I understand I don't know it all. Sometimes somebody else has to get the mic. And they've got to come up there and they've got to speak what God has done and showed them and ministered to them. Our brethren do that. We do that in testimony. Because listen, this thing isn't isolated. I'm blindsided sometimes. I don't know everything. But yet God, through the ministry of the church, all members working together and one engine going strong, God is going to bring revelation to the body. That's what he intends to do. That's what he wants to do in the body. Amen, amen. John the Baptist, he had no building. He had no sound system. He had no lights, cameras, or smoke. Thank God he had no music. No worship team that could try to take over the church and hold them hostage. I'm about to shout right there. It's what's going on all over the church world. They're holding the preaching hostage because the people are there to hear the music and not the preaching. Because the preaching is doing nothing. Your best life now, worldly life now, is a message from hell. God breathes some messages, and the devil's got some that he breathes too. All the little syncrities, whatever, of church, idiosyncrasies of church and religion and stuff, That's not the message of Christ. Sorry. So John the Baptist, he's got no music. He's got no praise team. He's got no proper protocol. In fact, he's not even dressed like a preacher. He's wearing a a leather, I don't know, robe, I guess, whatever, strapped up with a with a girdle, camel skin, he looks a mess. Somebody said he had grasshopper legs through his teeth sticking out, which is probably a little, you know, that's a little beyond it. But that's what he was eating. But he was only eating kosher grasshoppers and kosher honey, right? He's up there. They look at him. This guy, he looks like a mess. He's got, now he doesn't look anything like the priesthood. 
Do you know he's a priest? Do you know his father was a priest? And he was born a priest. He doesn't look anything like him. Because God's not doing things that looks like the world. God's not revealing through terms of the world. God is not revealing through terms of the church. God is not revealing through orthodoxy and the plans of men. God's not revealing that way. And when you get a revelation of the Lord, that's not going to be your message. And so he does not fit with them. In fact, Jesus said, what did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken in the wind? Did you just go out to see another one of you out there? No, but you went out to see. Did you go out to see somebody dressed in fine clothes and looked the part and he smelled the part and he was honored by the people because he looked like a priest. No, you went out to see somebody who was ragged out there. But let me tell you about him. He had the word of God in his mouth. Hit the word passed by everyone else, all the religious stuff, and it landed in the lap of John the Baptist. And he begins to preach. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about that. It wasn't until a couple of Sundays ago that I realized that John the Baptist was the first one to have a revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ. Simeon in the temple, but Jesus was a little boy. An infant, a newborn. Hannah, waiting there, not Hannah, what was her name? In the temple waiting. Oh, she, she held the Lord, she saw the Lord, but... John the Baptist is the first one to realize who he is. And he begins to use titles like the Son of God. The Lamb that takes the sin and bears the sin of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the ancient manuscript in John, the first chapter, John the Baptist says he's the only begotten God. Your Bible is going to say the only begotten Son. Ancient manuscript, the earliest, says the only begotten God because it doesn't matter either way. He's the Son and He is God. Can you say amen? He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of all time. And, and so you can call Him God in the flesh or you can call Him Son of God or you can call Him Son of Man. It doesn't matter. All of those things. He still is going to be the one that baptizes in Holy Spirit. Luke, the third chapter in the 18th verse, it said, Then John the Baptist, indeed exhorting in many different things. And I love this because really what is implying is he's not saying the same thing everybody else is saying. He's saying something different. He is not preaching orthodoxy. He's not preaching church as usual. What did he preach? The end of the verse said, and he preached the gospel to the people. Come on, amen. He preached the gospel. The rest of them are preaching orthodoxy. The rest of them are doing other things. But here he is out there preaching this gospel. And now his disciples. Now, I want you to watch this. Here's a thought that you may not have got to before. And the reason why I read those verses, those several verses in a row. His disciples heard him preach. Heard him say things like, no, I'm not the one 
They heard him saying things like, the one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to get down and pull his cowboy boots off. That's how much greater he is than me. Come on. I must decrease. He must increase. And I must decrease. See, his disciples are hearing this stuff. So no wonder on the morrow when John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Andrew. And I never really kind of put this together that Andrew, one of John's disciples. I didn't, you know, I thought there were some guys hanging around with John, I guess. But Andrew was a disciple of John. See, Andrew's a man that's looking for something more than what they had down at the temple. There's some people out there looking for something more than what they're offering in church today. Mm -hmm. And Andrew didn't get up and leave when John began to reveal Christ. Because his heart was hungry. He'd had enough of that. He was a Jew. He's out there now. He's attached himself to John. The Pharisees hate him. They hate him down at the temple. Uh, Herod obviously is going to hate him. He is rejected of because of his message. But, but somehow Andrew connects with what John is saying. There's one coming. And Andrew now has in his spirit also, he's looking for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when John says, Behold the Lamb of God... Andrew, and at least one more. I think there were more than that that became disciples of Jesus. But Andrew left John and followed Jesus. And the Lord says to me this. The very revelatory message that John was preaching... He lost his own disciples through it. They quit following John, and they went to follow Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you this. The modern church has no idea what this is about. Church organization is to support itself so it continue can continue to exist. Church organization is fill the seats so we'll have the money so that we can continue on the path we're on. In fact, if we get enough money, we'll build a bigger building so people will look at that building and say, wow, I want to be attached to that. What they don't understand is that the revelation of Jesus Christ might empty your house. And they're weary to preach Christ because if people get connected to Christ, they're going to leave out of this mess called Christendom. And they're going to find a place that somebody is preaching Christ and Him crucified. Somebody say amen. 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 It's exactly why every one of you are here this morning. You could be anywhere. 
You could be in another place. You could be listening. But, but I believe because we endeavor to preach Jesus Christ, we endeavor to keep him first. We endeavor to keep him foremost. All of our praise, all of our worship, all of our music, all of our offerings, all of our preaching is about him, to him, through him, by him. And everything is to adore him, love him, honor him, bless him. And that's what the real church and the real revelation of Jesus Christ is all about. I'm going to say again, we're not here to be the 51st church of Claremore to give the same old, same old. We're here to preach Jesus Christ. We're here to preach Jesus Christ. I, as a preacher, have to realize, and Paul says this, follow me as I follow Christ. Remember that? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think we do that as young people. Christians, young men especially, and, and young ladies that need an example, uh, you know. And so they're following our elders and, and, and our pastors and different ones in the body. But then there comes a time where you're following the Lord and not pastors. You've grown in the strength of faith in Him. And then what happens? See, the fear of church is that people get too connected to the Lord. I, that's, I know it's, it seems like, you know, Pastor, that's silly. You know, all churches are preaching about Jesus. No, they're not. Afraid that people will really find out too much. Woo! What would happen if people came in here and they found out too much? I'm going to tell you what. They wouldn't be satisfied with church as usual anymore. They wouldn't be satisfied with orthodoxy and, and church dogma and doctrine and edicts of church and men's ideas and men's philosophies because they're hungry to, to visit with the Lord. They're hungry so that the rabbi will put his arm around them and bless them and, and, and hold them and keep them and, and become true and real in their life. I've got a preacher friend, and I love him dearly. But he said, God is real. Look at that and that, what happened. God is real. Not with the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't need to see somebody healed. So hang on a second. I don't need to see the waters parted. I don't need to see a miracle in my finances. I don't need to see all my troubles go away because the revelation of Jesus Christ is not about that. It's about a baptism in my heart. Can you say amen? It's about something that's going on inside of me, not outside of me. God can take care of all the outside stuff. When we believe that, we pray for Jake. He's got outside problems. He got, but Jake, inside of you, the Spirit of God is alive and moving and dwelling and living and revelating inside of your body your spirit is yet though the body Paul said it this way though though the outer man begins to fail yet I'm renewed day by day in the power of the revelation of Jesus Christ in my life are you happy say amen okay if you're that happy then we're going to close and you know that means I didn't put a time on closing I just said we're going to close of course 
<clears throat> ministers of the gospel, teachers in this body, even down to our children's teachers. I know we gear things for kids, and that's good. Can we talk about, you know, Noah and the flood? Yeah, sure. Can we talk about all the, you know, the Bible stories and David and Goliath? Oh, yeah, that's good. They need to learn all that. But above it all, those little lives need to start hearing about Jesus. He's our Savior. He's, he's our Lord. He's our Rabbi. He's, he's the one that takes care of us. Amen. And so ministers of the gospel reveal Rabbi Jesus, Yeshua, reveal him until the people come to know him. Because when they come to know him, they'll never be, go back to church order again. Never. Never be satisfied with the way Christendom has become again. Too hungry. Bubblegum's nice. Kids just bought me a whole box of bubble. I can eat that all day long and it won't nourish me. I have to say that's what's going on in a lot of places. They're feeding the people bubblegum. When the Lord wants to feed us ribeye steak. The Lord wants to feed us, you know, the good stuff. Lasagna and spaghetti and I'm not, okay. Stop right there. Everybody's hungry. He spread a table before us. Come on, amen. What do you think's on the table? I get a kick out of these guys. That, I can't wait to get to heaven in a buried supper of the Lamb. I'll tell you, boy, it's, I don't know what's on the menu. It's going to be so good. Concerning the only wise God, be honor and glory into the ages of the ages. Amen. Period. Point blank. Right. That's it. We've got one thing in mind when we go to the Word of God, when we teach, when we preach, when we minister, when we sing. We should have one thing. And that is to the king. Can you say amen? amen. To the king. Oh, I can't see him. Invisible, incorruptible. But he's here. He's here in his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me. God bless you all. I think we've had a wonderful time.